0: Hello, welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Katie Helper,
1: and I'm Aaron Mate.
0: How's it going, Aaron?
1: Not bad, not bad. How are you?
0: Good, nice weather.
1: Where we are, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to be um, weather privileged though, and speak. Yeah, to you're the, right. You know, speak for the places that don't have good weather. Like, and uh, I don't know. How's the weather in Siberia right now? I don't know. Probably don't know.
0: For, chilly, right?
1: For all of our uh, Siberia fans, I I apologize if you felt excluded.
0: Yeah, let us know. Let yeah. us know how the weather is there. But sorry, maybe I it's good there. Said, I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's wonderful. I yeah. should have said uh, in the New York City area, it's mm. nice weather. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a great show for you today, uh, as always. And uh, we're going to be talking to Ray McGovern.
1: Yes, Ray is a career CIA analyst who went on to co-found the group Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity. And boy, oh boy, does he provide a lot of sanity in this interview. We talk about uh, RFK Jr. coming out and saying that the CIA had a role in the murder of JFK. And Ray's insights on the murder of JFK are particularly significant because he was in the CIA at the time when JFK was killed. And he has some interesting stories to share about what he witnessed back then. Uh, We talk about the latest in the proxy war in Ukraine. And we get into some Russiagate stuff. It's a lot of material in this interview. It's really informative. And Ray is a wonderful person. And uh, it's a great interview.
0: Yeah. So you're going to make sure. You got to make sure that you join our Substack. Usefully, it's at substack.com because uh, we have an extended interview with Ray where he sheds a lot of light on to what's happening right now uh, in Ukraine. And also, you're going to want to do that because we give you our amazing Thursday throwdown, your midweek dose of media madness, where we – react to clips that uh, you definitely don't want to watch alone.
1: Let's get to our four basic food groups. What do we have for Democrats suck?
0: So for Democrats suck, uh, I have a clip of Kamala Harris speaking at an event. And I got to say when someone sent it to me, I thought that it was taken out of context. And there was even an article in Reuters that suggested that it was taken out of context because you're going to hear what she says. Let's play what she says. And then I'll explain why I thought it was taken out of context, even though, actually wasn't. What else do we know about this population 18 through 24? They are stupid. <laughs> that is why we put them in dormitories and they have a resident assistant. They make really bad decisions. So this is a speech that Kamala Harris gave and, and to be fair it is from a couple years ago. Uh, it's from almost 10 years ago. It's from a speech that she gave at the Renewing Community Symposium uh, on May 8th, 2014, back when she was Attorney General of California. Uh, but there's nothing in that speech that actually mitigates what she's saying. Like I thought for sure she was being sarcastic or she was citing quoting someone else who said that, but that's just not true. She's actually arguing that they're uh, stupid. So it's a very winning message.
1: This is not going to help the Biden campaign's efforts to win over the youth vote, where they're already struggling to have this clip uh, resurface. But I okay. got to say, it does remind me. Louis C.K. is a very funny bit about how you know, 19 year olds or 18 year olds, guys, I think especially, are really stupid. And mm. uh, it, um, I do think there's a, there's some truth to what she's saying. To be honest with I'm sorry to all of our young viewers, but when I was that age, I was at my dumbest. I really was. Uh, speaking personally so but you're not running uh, for
0: president and neither is louis ck that's one of the differences you're not running running as vice president right
1: certainly this administration is already struggling to win over that constituency because of course what have they done for them nothing and they're leaving that generation with a much more dangerous and precarious precarious world so i totally get it and uh (laughs) this clip won't help
0: won't help yeah now what makes this even more pathetic is not only what she said but the fact that the media tried to cover for her so there was a piece and again i read it it's a piece in reuters it says fact check kamala harris quote on people being stupid is missing context okay here's the alleged missing context harris's quote on young people being stupid was in the context of discussing a youth program aimed at reducing recidivism through education and how young people can make bad decisions how is that what context does that provide It just explains she's saying they're dumb. Like, I guess it's in a, for for the sake of something good, it's in a somewhat progressive direction. And maybe, you know, young people make mistakes, but it's, she's still calling young people dumb. So I'm going to say overall, an example of Democrat sucking, as well as the media who covers for them. Yeah.
1: Or it's in the context of her threatening to lock up their parents, because remember, she was a big proponent of that, of locking up parents. Exactly.
0: Yeah. For for their kids' truancy.
1: Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah, what a great clip of of, uh, Kamala. Yeah. Um, The more you learn of Kamala, the more you learn to love her.
0: Yeah, exactly. The more you know.
1: All right. For Republicans suck, there's always a wealth of Republican suckiness whenever there is an act of gun violence because Republicans don't want to take any action on this issue. And so here is Kevin McCarthy being asked about what he thinks. The nation should do, and who should take the lead on addressing this issue of gun violence?
2: Selves didn't update, so we—I know Republicans were in the majority of the time, and I was majority leader. We changed the law to make sure that update. So keep it. I want to get the facts here too, but we've got to have a really honest discussion.
0: And Mr. McCarthy, should yeah. Congress be leading on that discussion about gun violence? We haven't really. I, seen I think the whole the nation
2: government. should be leading. Yes, sir.
1: So I love that answer because we elect members of Congress to go to Congress and lead on vital issues. And here McCarthy is asked, you know, should you be leading on this vital issue of gun violence? And he says, no, it should be the whole nation should be leading on it. Yeah, Not us who were elected to lead, the whole nation should. It's a really convenient excuse for not doing anything and trying to pretend as if you want the whole nation to do something that really, I mean, and also like, does he want the whole nation to lead? Because I think polls show that people support tougher gun laws especially when it comes to assault rifles but so does that mean he wants to follow the nation's lead on that i don't think so
0: i mean i like this kind of collectivist communist kevin mccarthy if i'm being honest (laughs) very bottom down kind of uh anarchist uh i feel like he should now uh instead of holding votes in congress there should just be open votes that the nation votes in directly that's direct democracy yeah i'm with it they can vote by consensus you know yeah
1: kevin mccarthy anarchist who knew
0: yeah it's like occupy wall street version of kevin mccarthy i like it occupy mccarthy yeah
1: (laughs) afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls how to refine your mental
2: models and how to think about How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices
1: and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What do we have for Isn't That Weird?
0: For Isn't That Weird, let's just go to the videotape at noon, they are noodling over a mystery in New Jersey. Take a look at the hundreds of pounds of pasta that was dumped in the woods in Mm -hmm. Old Bridge. Yeah, that's pasta. A woman posted photos of the heaps of food along a stream of Veterans Park. She says it's evidence of a larger issue of illegal dumping, clearly. Uh, This is in Old Bridge specifically, and a lack of bulk garbage pickup. The town's public works crew removed all of that spaghetti. Um, but still no word on who dumped it. It's a lot of carbo-loading. Was that spaghetti? Oh. I got to get that close-up There's again.
2: noodles, and then there's fusty. pasta. There's a little okay, bit okay, of everything. Okay, so there's everything. there's all kinds. Okay, yeah. I just
0: Assorted. wanted to... <laughs> I, I wanted to...
1: <laughs> and so clearly, we do have a problem, Old bridge. because if someone can bring a whole truck of pasta, dump it, drive out, and nobody even knows it... Right. Yeah, and by we, the
0: way, did you notice it's not just dry pasta? It somebody like cooked it. looked like it was cooked, it. right? Yeah.
1: hmm Yeah. Strange. Okay.
0: Isn't that indeed weird? Now we have a bit of a follow-up announcement. There's been an update in the case. It's still a whodunit. We still don't know who dumped all that pasta. But what we now know is that it wasn't actually cooked pasta. Uh, It was just, it looked cooked because of the rain.
1: I would love to know why someone felt compelled to dump hundreds of pounds of pasta.
0: What a waste
1: what a waste indeed it
0: really is a waste they could have given it to a, a food kitchen
1: yeah i mean unless there was a problem with it unless it was uh, rotten or something who knows right but. it
0: could have been rotten pasta in which case it's good that they didn't donate it but um
1: but why dump it like that
0: why dump it well yeah. what else are you supposed although to be fair what would you do if you had hundreds of pounds of pasta
1: i mean can't you put i mean if you're gonna take the trouble to go drive to a river and dump it can't you just put it in a bunch of garbage bags and yeah i guess you could throw it away
0: yeah. yeah maybe it was like is an it, art exhibit some kind of interactive yeah. installation art
1: artists artists no concern for society it's not good for the artist's reputation here no it's this not. Really was our project yeah I they took a real the hit they took a real yeah. hit yeah
0: i guess they decided to throw spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks Ooh. hello hello except they threw it at the ground yeah it i mean the embarrassing thing is that i'm such a pasta i i love pasta so much that instead of grossing me out that just made me hungry for pasta <laughs>
1: okay for isn't that terrible let's go to minnesota where check out how this state senator dressed or should i say undressed for a zoom meeting state senator makes shirtless vote during zoom meeting so in this video a republican state senator in minnesota named calvin barr he is shirtless as he votes yes
3: representative anderson yes
2: Senator
0: Barr. Yes. Senator Gibble.
1: Senator Anderson. Yes. Senator Barr. Yes. Wow. It's not Senator Barr. It's Senator Bear. Bear naked. Yeah,
0: exactly. Bare chested at, at, at least. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, good for him for letting his freak flag fly.
0: I mean, I think it goes back to what we were talking about with Kevin McCarthy, this kind of bottom up. Uh, governing
1: It's the new Republican thing is just, you know, letting it all loose and being yourself.
0: Yeah. Governing from below.
1: I like it. I Me like too. it.
0: Governing unzipped. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We have a great interview for you today with Ray McGovern. He is a career CIA analyst, worked there for 27 years, spanning from the presidency of John F. Kennedy to George H.W. Bush. Uh, where he was a senior briefer, actually gave the presidential daily brief uh, to George H.W. Bush. And he drew on his uh, intelligence experience to co-found a group called Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity, uh, which was founded to challenge the false claims that were being made to justify the invasion of Iraq. And Ray McGovern has been at the forefront of challenging lies, challenging state power based on the manipulation of intelligence. He's done that for so many years now and has provided such a service to this country for his bravery uh, and courage. And so we're gonna speak to him about many issues, including the assassination of JFK, the proxy war in Ukraine, and the latest with Russiagate, because uh, Russiagate never ends. So here is our interview with Ray McGovern. Ray mcgovern thanks so much for joining us you're welcome i want to ask you about some comments from robert f kennedy jr that are getting a lot of attention uh he is accusing the cia of having a direct role in the murder of his uncle uh president john f kennedy who you served under as an officer at, uh, of the cia as an analyst at the cia and so let's go to a clip of rfk jr
2: discussing this do you believe they murdered or were involved in the murder of your uncle? What, what have you come to personally? The CIA, yes, they were definitely involved in the murder, and the, you know, and the six-year cover-up. They're still not releasing the, you know, the papers that legally they have to release. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt. If you look at this huge, you know, mountain, monumental mountain of evidence and confessions, and you know, so many people have confessed to their involvement. And for anybody who has doubts about that. I would recommend a book by Jim Douglas called The Unspeakable, because I think he's done a better job uh, than anybody else at kind of assembling and distilling all of the millions and millions of documents that uh, have been released over the past 50 years. And these things, these revelations are released incrementally, and so nobody really takes notice of them. But when you put them all together, the story is very
1: clear. So, Ray, you served in the CIA at the time of the assassination of JFK. What are your thoughts on what RFK Jr. is saying here?
3: Well, unfortunately, I think he has it quite right. I admire his courage in saying it so blatantly. I was more than just an employee of the CIA um, during the early 60s. I came down to Washington because John F. Kennedy appealed to those of us who had something special to offer to try to do something for our country rather than ask our country to do something for us. Now, that may sound corny now. It wasn't then. There were a whole bunch of us came down, I included, and I was very attracted by the notion of a central intelligence agency. That would combine all manner of information from whatever source into a central place and tell the president what was going on. Without fear or favor, we would answer to the president, not to the State Department or the Pentagon. That sounded really, really good. And it was for a while. Now, let me just say that uh, the army allowed me, as an army intelligence infantry officer, to join the CIA before my two years were up with the army and uh, because they needed somebody with Russian experience, Russian language, to watch a very important area which was Soviet foreign policy towards China, the international communist movement, and Vietnam. So I entered the CIA, in what they call the Junior Officer Trainee Program, The reason why this is relevant is that uh, they took us off for extensive training off site. And then when we came back to Washington, we were treated to all manner of people coming in to lecture to us. And there was one lecture that I'll never forget. It was by a senior operations officer,
2: and it was a rant.
3: This president is a coward. He failed to back us up on the Bay of Pigs. He's, he's so cowardly. He's, this is an awful,
2: awful thing.
3: And you know, here I'm a 23-year-old, young, naive guy, and I'm saying, you know, it's a little odd. Isn't he president right now? It was odd. It registered, but not enough. That was the summer of 1963. Three months or so later, John Kennedy was assassinated. Okay. I have one other personal experience that fits into this, but sort of at the end, and I can talk a lot about what we've discovered in the middle. At the end, I found out that a guy I worked for when I first came into the agency, his name was Fred Janney. He was involved in the cover-up. He was involved in making sure that, uh, together with James Angleton and other people, that it would never be learned what was in uh, Mary Myers diary and what was in her personal notes that is all recounted it reads like a detective story everyone should read it it's by peter janney fred's son and it talks about how how they they scurried around to make sure that nothing that mary meyer wrote she was a very close friend some people say lover of jfk that now how did i learn that Peter Janik calls me up he comes and visits me. And I was working downtown in the inner city at the time. And he says, I'm, I'm Fred's son. I said, yeah. And then he told me. And he says in his book exactly what his father did and how this cabal was successful in suppressing the information that should have come out at the time. So they have both bookends here. And I could talk about things like what President Truman said Uh, after the Bay of Pigs and after the assassination and things like that, which I researched in in the middle of all this stuff. But those two personal encounters uh, were really pretty shocking to me. And, uh, you know, if I feel strongly about that, well, that's all right. Please understand that John F. Kennedy is the fellow that got me down to Washington and got me interested in this kind of thing. And I I, I thank him for that because he's been very heady, and I think I've been sort of useful to those people who are really after the truth.
0: There's actually another clip that we can watch of uh, RFK Jr. talking more about the cover-up. This is from uh, Fox News.
2: There are confessions of people who are directly involved in the plot, who are involved in the planning of the plot, uh, who were peripheral to the plot. Uh, there's a 60-year cover-up. The, you know, the Warren Commission was run by Alan Dulles, who was the head of the CIA, who my uncle fired, and then insinuated himself under the Warren Commission and essentially ran the Warren Commission and kept this evidence from the Warren Commissioners. Either way, when Congress, 10 years later, investigated the crime with much more evidence than the Warren Commission had at its disposal, Congress found that yeah, it was a plot. It was a conspiracy. There were multiple people involved, and most of the people in that investigation believed that it was the CIA that was behind it, because the evidence was so well, overwhelming to them. My uh, the magic- the father, when he investigated Jack Ruby, he found out that Jack Ruby had been deeply involved with Carlos Marcelo's mob, with with uh, Sam Giancana and all the people who were all of those mob leaders, Santos Traficante, who were the Havana casino owners who had been recruited by the CIA in the Castro murder plot. So they were all working together in cahoots with the CIA. By the way, the day that my uncle was killed, I was picked up at Sidwell Friends School and brought home the first phone call that my father made after J. Edgar Hoover told him that his brother had been shot was to the CIA desk officer, in Langley, who was only a mile from our house. Yeah. And, and, and my father said to him, did your people do this? His next call was to Harry Ruiz, who was one of the Cuban uh, Bay of Pigs leaders who had remained very, very close to our family, and to my father. My father asked him the same question. Then my father called John McComb, who was the head of the CIA, and asked him to come to the house, Macomb came over. And when I came home from Sidwell Friends School, my father was walking in the yard with John Macomb and my father was posing the same question to him. Was it our people wow. who did this to my brother? Oh, so it was my father's first instinct that the wow. agency had killed his brother.
0: So what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, uh, after the Bay of Pigs,
3: uh... Now, people probably forget about the Bay of Pigs. It was April 1961. I was just getting out of college, all right? But I remember it well. It was a cockamamie plan drummed up by Alan Dulles and some of his patrician colleagues from Yale who thought that they could could succeed and could mousetrap President Kennedy. What did it involve? Preparing a ragtag group of uh, invaders uh in central america to uh to invade cuba okay now when jfk came into into the presidency he looked at this plan it was approved by eisenhower that's kind of hard to reverse a plan approved by eisenhower but he said now you know this doesn't make any sense i i don't how how can you do this and the agency told him, there'll be an uprising in Cuba. Uh, the people will rise up as one and throw off this communist dictator. Kennedy said, well, I don't know about that, but look, one thing one thing is really important. You will not get any support from the United States Armed Forces. Now, understand that, okay? We're not going to send in any of our armed forces just in case you get bogged down, okay? <laughs> no problem, no problem. So what happens? Of course, they attack, and they get bogged down, and they say, oh, we need, we need the Air Force to bail us out. And he said, don't you remember what he told you? Forget about it. We're not going to go in there overtly. Okay, so the thing the thing was a, a catastrophe. Now, what's important here? Uh, when Alan Dulles died, his coffee-stained notes, on his desk. Let me see if I can find them here. Yeah. I wrote about it a couple of years ago. Uh, The historian reporting this is Lucian der Leblke, if you want to look it up. They show how Dulles drew Kennedy into a plan that was virtually certain to require U.S. combat forces. In his notes, Dulles explained, quote, when the chips were down, end quote, Kennedy would be forced by, quote, the realities of the situation to give whatever military support was necessary rather than permit the enterprise to fail, period, end quote. Dulles' notes, coffee stained though they may be, clear enough, okay? That's why Kennedy threatened to splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces and throw it to the four winds. Now, what President Kennedy didn't realize is that you don't say those kinds of things. You don't threaten to do those kinds of things, and especially to well-heeled patricians, well-connected patricians like Dulles, whose brother was Secretary of State and in defiance of the CIA, who was blamed for this fiasco, appropriately so, but really had it... I told you about this... uh, this rant that I was exposed to in August of 1963, it all had to do with Cuba. It all had to do with JFK's cowardice was the word. Cowardice and not rising to the occasion, because after all, Castro was really bad, okay? And this was at a time when George Ball, a very good diplomat and deputy secretary of state at the time, called the Joint Chiefs of Staff a sewer of deceit. You need evidence of that? They devised a plan signed off by the Ted of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to kill uh, a bunch of Americans on a commercial aircraft, blame it on Castro, and there would be the Casas Belli to remove him. That's the kind of thing that was going on. So JFK was facing into all this stuff. Uh, Alan Dulles, (laughs) After the assassination, and most people know this, but it's worth repeating, Alan Dulles insinuated himself onto the Warren Commission. Now, a lot of people, including me, (laughs) said, now, wait a second, wait a second. Alan Dulles is one of the suspects here. I mean, he had ample reason to have it in. So how come he's getting on that? And you know what we were told? Guess what we were told? You are conspiracy theorists. You are conspiracy theorists. You are conspiracy theorists. That's where that term get really got legs, okay? So uh, what happened? Alan Dulles not only was a member of the Warren Commission, he ran it. He picked the witnesses and all this other stuff. And he came up with this cockamamie explanation, which does not stand up to ball truth, as James Douglas, James Douglas has shown. The other thing, of course, and this is equally important is that not only was John Kennedy, not only had he already executed two executive orders to pull our troops out of Vietnam and let Vietnam go to the communists and under the domino theory, Indonesia and the whole Southeast Asia. Okay, that was the reaction. Not only had he already ordered that, but he was talking in his famous gosh, it's almost exactly 60 years, June 1963, an incredible speech saying, look, why can't we just get along with the Russians? We almost uh, obliterated the planet Earth with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Let's see if we can do a decent thing in a human way. And he even got a limited test ban treaty right away to surprise everyone. So He was on a very dangerous path for people who who were so blinded by this anti-communism, who thought the Russians had two heads, as many people now believe to be the case. And he he was killed. Uh, Very, very simply, he was assassinated. And it was a warning to all other presidents who might want to cross this, might want to go over this red line and threaten, among other things, to splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces my my take now after reflecting on this for a good good piece of time after 27 years working in the CIA and now critiquing it for an equal number of years it should be disbanded it should be splintered it serves no useful purpose i used to make a distinction between the substantive analysis which we were able to do without fear or favor until Ronald Reagan came in and appointed Bill Casey and Bobby Gates to run the analysis. Then that became corrupted. Okay, so the, the analysts now support the policymakers uh, and the uh, the operators. Now, if uh, if one of the operators says, "Hey, we can get fifty million dollars if we blow up the Nord Stream pipeline," what do you think? And uh, he broaches this to that. I won't use adjectives to Jacob Sullivan, who's the National Security Advisor, is, oh my God, can you do that? Well, we'll look into it. They look into it. They talk to the Navy. They talk to Norwegians. We can do it. Now, what do the analysts say? The analysts have no, take, have no chop on this. No analysts, well, to the degree analysts were consulted, according to Cy Hirsch, who has the definitive story on this, they said, this is cock- this is crazy. Are you, you aware what's going to happen if, if if you blow up this pipe stream completely? They got the money. They got the thing. And what happened? Um, the head of CIA, Bill Burns, who knows a lot about the world, but has been captured like so many other DC, uh, directors of, of the CIA, said, look, the president said, do it, um, do it. And uh, that's what the operations are kind of running everything now. So." Long story short, the whole thing should be disbanded. Somebody should set up as close to an apolitical non-agenda, that an agenda free uh, institute to do to do uh, substantial, substantive and unadulterated, or as Truman would say, untainted intelligence. And then, if you want, you want to do operations like blowing up pipelines, you put that in the Pentagon, or put it somewhere else, or or you do something like uh, the Agency for overthrowing governments and other other things. Lastly, I just have to tell you how this all really started uh, in nineteen forty-seven, right after the war when Truman was favoring this approach to getting all these intelligence agencies together under one hat and, and giving them the straight scoop on things, the operators came home from the war. The OSS, the Office of Strategic Services. Now, there is no way to demean their performance. They were courageous. They were bold. They took risks. They jumped in behind enemy lines. They overthrew governments. Huh. They came back and they said, well, Thanks a lot for all the applause. And again, it was well-deserved applause. Uh, Do you want us to hang around? Or should we go back to our corporations, our law law firms, or or academe? And George Kennan, who used to be my my hero specialist on on Russia, he said, no, 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 stay around, stay around. The Russians are overthrowing governments. The Russians are assassinating people. The Russians are doing all kinds of dirty tricks. We need you to stay around, so the question was, where do you put these guys? I mean, we're going to set up an agency for overthrowing governments, or these days we'd say an agency for regime change wow. now, even that was impossible, and so somebody, and I think it was George cannon and others got into the oh wait a second, uh Truman is setting up this analysis group, and they have one arm that will have to be secret because it collects intelligence from spies and it put into the into the hopper here so it's got to be secret so let's put all these secret operators in the same agency and there will be one happy family not never was and right right now it's the worst it can be so again we ought to disband it it's not doing anybody any good and the head of the cia to my great disdain As a propagandist. I mean, last thing I'll say on this. Bill Burns was approached by Sergei Lavrov, who was the foreign minister in 2008 when Bill Burns was the US ambassador to Moscow. And as many of you know, Bill Burns was summoned by Lavrov and he said, Mr. Burns, do you know what net means? (laughs) Yeah, well, net means net if you admit Ukraine into NATO, we will have to decide whether the ensuing civil war, which is bound to happen, will require us to intervene. So Niet means nyet. Do you understand that, Mr. Mr. Burns? Now, at the time, uh, Burns had enough courage to report that. The headline of this Moscow cable, and it's authentic, if I've seen one cable from Moscow embassy, I've seen thousands. Uh, Moscow's red line on Ukraine membership, yet means net, We have that courtesy of WikiLeaks. Okay, so that was the explicit threat. Okay, now <laughs> what does Bill Burns say now, as head of this objective, agenda-free analysis agency as well as operation? He says, "Oh." It was unprovoked, completely unprovoked, what what, uh, Putin did in, in, in going into Ukraine, unprovoked. So that's a propagandist. He knows it was damn well provoked. He knows that he's being used and he's being used in a way
1: that the head of the CIA should not allow him or herself to be used. Going back to JFK for one second, and I'm not an expert on this, and my views on this are are pretty much informed, but just by two sources: uh, Cy Hirsch's "The Dark Side of Camelot" and Chomsky's "Rethinking Camelot." On your claim that JFK was ordering the a withdrawal from Vietnam, I guess my question to you is that is that not up for debate? Because, you know, from what I from what I, from what I understand, reading those two books, that's not the picture that emerges at least from those sources. So my question to you is. Is that at least debatable whether or not JFK was withdrawing from Vietnam? Because I believe Chomsky and Hirsch would argue otherwise based on their reading of history.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure they had access to the research that James Douglas has done here. In his book, JFK and the Unspeakable, uh, the book that uh, Bobby Kennedy just advertised, Um, but James Douglas whom I trust more than anyone, whose book is only about 12, 13 years old, if memory serves. He cites two specific executive orders, one to draw down U.S. troops from Vietnam by about a thousand at the end of 1960, 1963, I believe it was, and then most of the rest of them by the end of 1965. Now, he talks specifically about executive orders, and he's got copious footnotes here. So in in terms of what I'm relying on, uh, that's it. And uh, I think that this was written after Chomsky and even Tsai had spoken on this. I know it was. And so I, I, I think that if they knew about this to the degree that James Douglas did, uh, they would agree. Who knows?
1: We ought to ask them. The secrecy around this incident. Uh, There was the incident where Trump was said he was gonna declassify the remaining (laughs) files about what the CIA knew about the JFK murder, murder, but then he didn't. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's
3: uh, exhibit A. What happened was Congress gave the agency and the FBI 30, three zero years to sanitize their stuff, to, to release the cables and the other stuff having to do with, with the assassination in FBI-CIA files. Now, that all came home uh, uh, about four years ago when Trump was told, whoops, by act of Congress, you have to release the rest of those uh, papers. So perhaps naively, I suppose naively, he got up in the morning and said, "Today's the day that I have to release the rest of those the rest of those materials that have been secret on the JFK assassination. I'm going to do that." That was in the morning. In the afternoon, about five hours later, he gets up before the same microphone, and, and this is almost exactly what he says. he says: "I've been talking to the CIA and to the FBI." And they say we can't release those documents just yet, and so uh, I'm going to defer it for another six months. Now, did Trump have have an out there? Yeah, there's a little little squeamish little thing in the uh, in the act that says, "Well, the president, at his discretion, can postpone this or something like that." So, McGovern makes a little note in his diary, and uh, in six months he, he waits for somebody to ask. Nobody asks. Nobody asks? Yeah, nobody asks. And Biden, of course, has also refused to release these things. So, you know, call me, call me a conspiracy theorist, if you will. But there's got to be a reason why they're not releasing these things. What, 60 years later? My God. I suspect or I suspect there's some sort of conspiracy to protect the CIA. Here's something that just came up. Last week, I was talking to Judge Napolitano. You may know this. Um, when I mentioned some of this, he said, "You know, uh, two two or three weeks before President Trump left office, he called me. Trump called Napolitano, and he asked for my advice on some of the pardons that he had." And that's that's open. That's he, he people don't. Uh, but then he asked me. Um uh, then, then he said, Do you, is there anything else? And I said, yes, Mr. President, are you going to deliver on your promise to the American people to release the rest of the Kennedy assassination documents? And uh, Judge Napolitano says to me on air, Trump responded, I'll have to talk to you when 15 other people are not listening in, the White House switchboard. But if you've seen, if you could see what I've seen, you could see why I didn't release them. So I asked Judge Napolitano, well, the teaching point from that is, who the hell is running this country? Huh? Who, Who has the power to vitiate what Congress has legislated? vitiate what the president is supposed to do who has that power and you know people frowned at the notion of the deep state well let's say it's the national security state which indeed uh affected the last election by hiding the truth about hunter biden now just shows the democrats are just as corrupt as the republicans except they have a, a, a leg up when it comes to the media i mean imagine Imagine that. The New York Post came up with that story a month before the election, right? And it's right out there. And what happens to the New York Post? (laughs) Knocked off Twitter, knocked off, silenced. And then these 51, I'll call them Aschlöcher, because not many people know know enough German. They get together um, because Blinken, uh, Biden's almost, he was going to be Secretary of State, he calls this guy, Mikey Morrell, who used to be acting director of the CIA, says, look, you know, here's a piece in USA Today. It says, uh, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop. That's a Russian operation, disinformation. You know, you yeah, think if you can warm up with some support for that. <laughs> so, so Mikey Morrell goes to his old boss, George, um, John Brennan, and John Brennan goes to his right-hand person, Shapiro, and they go out to 50 other heads of intelligence and and law enforcement people, and they all sign on to the notion this has all the earmarks of a Russian operation, right? earmarks? What are those earmarks? Oh, we can't tell you. We're not going to tell you what the earmarks are, but it has all all the. And what happens? CNN, CBS, NBC, they all run with it, Russian disinformation. And Biden is debating with Trump three days later, and he quotes this letter and he says, well, you know, the 51, (laughs) it's sort of like, Fifty one dentists can't be wrong about this very good toothpaste. No, 51 intelligence directors have said it's it's got all the earmarks of a Russian operation. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is has all the care five former heads of the CIA. Both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except of his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now yeah. another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly, what, is this that's exactly what this is told. where he's. Well, did that affect the election? Did that get
0: Joe Biden? Look- and to hear the rest of the interview, please go to usefulidiots.substack.com.
1: So great to hear from Ray. That was such a fantastic interview.
0: Yeah, he's great. And make sure again that you join our substack usefulidiots.substack.com, really interesting insights into Russia. And he speaks Russian.
1: Yes, he does. Uh, he when he was at the agency, he was a uh, a top expert on the Soviet Union and uh you know, draws upon that experience to continue uh his work today for the public Uh, not serving the cia but serving the public and bringing us information and context that is vitally needed so very grateful to ray for taking the time to talk to us
0: yes and we also wanted to offer on a very sad note we want to offer our condolences to former guest glenn greenwald Uh, he uh tweeted out may 9th it is with the most profound sadness that i announced the passing away of my husband david miranda he would have turned 38 tomorrow. His death early this morning came after a nine-month battle in ICU. He died in full peace, surrounded by her children and family and friends. And David Miranda was not just Glenn Greenwald's husband. He was also the first LGBTQ member of the Rio de Janeiro City Council. And he was an activist, and he also was uh, involved in the Edward Snowden uh, case and was actually punished for that. He uh, was held um, at for nine hours. He was detained for nine hours at Heathrow's at Heathrow Airport in London. Uh, but he refused to cooperate with authorities. And actually, Edward Edward Snowden uh, was one of the many people who tweeted about David's death. As did President Lula. And Snowden said uh, that it was that courage that set him free. Referring to Miranda's courage with the authorities at Heathrow's airport.
1: David was uh, born into uh, really tough conditions in a uh, Brazilian favela and managed to become a really accomplished person uh, being elected to office in Brazil at such a young age and leaving such a lasting impact on... The world and our condolences to Glenn and his family. It's just such an unspeakable tragedy.
0: Yeah. And here is a really sweet video that David posted of him and Glenn adopting their two sons. They had already raised them for years, but this is their official adoption. And I think you see the love and sweetness in the family in this video. <laughs>
1: Aqui E de estar nomeada.
2: Agora
0: no caso, eu faço uma Hello, thank you so much for listening to and watching Useful Idiots. For full episodes and extended interviews, please subscribe at usefulidiots.substack.com. You can subscribe on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Useful Idiots for clips, live streams, and full episodes. Also, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Useful Idiot Pod and use the hashtag Useful Idiots Pod. Join us Mondays at 10 a.m. for the Useful Idiots Monday morning show where we discuss the Sunday morning news shows so you don't have to watch them.